Welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa, where we review the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. And I am freezing my <laughs> goddamn nuts off. Um, it is a, chilly. It's a day for weather-related... Oh my god, it is perfect for this, yeah. really. There's some uh, there's some stuff going on in the, in the atmosphere. <laughs> some high-pressure zones, fronts. Try and make it sound like... I'm trying to think of some horror-themed kind of weather mm. puns. Mm. I'm not a good punny guy, so... Okay. Uh, Have a think about it and come back to us at the end if you've got anything. Yeah? Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to be dead silent for the whole episode, so... <laughs> I'm not going to be on it. Scribbling trust notes. Me. Um, yeah. Uh, how you been? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Uh, just uh, we're sorting some stuff out around the house right now. So finding places for our various occult goodies that we've amassed over the years and just kept them stored away. So thing is, Kirsty's in charge of this because if it was up to me, I would tidy and then immediately become distracted within five seconds of a shiny button that I'd found. Or... You kind of did earlier, I think. So yeah. <laughs> this That's... is why I've taken control yeah, of is, the this is a... house renovation. This is well and truly a Kirsty job. <laughs> um, however, mm. we have some housekeeping. Ooh. Yeah, clever. Okay. See, I'm, I'm all right at these links. Mm. Um, we have some housekeeping because last week we reviewed a little piece of dross called ginger snaps um, and we had a listener get in contact with us it's almost as if we said her name and then like the devil she appeared um, so our good friend Charlie who was with us all the way back when we reviewed Trick or Treat and um, Phantasm yeah, and fan- I almost forgot then Ooh. and Phantasm uh, she had some things to say about our uh, about our ginger snaps review, and as expected, she really liked it. So uh, we're going to play that. We're going to have got a little uh, little sound clip to play you. This is Charlie uh, defending her ginger snaps love. All right, take it away, Charlie. So there are several contextual points I think that you need to uh to have a love for ginger snaps uh i think a slightly unhealthy weird symbiotic relationship with a sister a real pre-emo kid attitude a sense that you know the world is against you um possibly dissatisfaction i think with uh you know some of the things that you have as a woman for example the hassle of periods um but also yeah you're right you need to watch it at a certain age so i watched ginger snaps when it first came out and i totally get the cult following it's not the greatest film but it definitely spoke to me at the time that i watched it um so i think that was the thing i kind of got it i was like yeah i totally relate to sort of ginger and bridget that is totally me periods are shit and actually do you know what they'd be cooler if i could turn into a werewolf and i could get my own back and all the popular kids and the school bullies and maybe boys would fancy me because i've never had a boyfriend blah 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 um but i think you're also right i think the supernatural fandom they have a lot of love for anyone so it is a case of kind of seeking out it's that nerdy like oh my god that's that person from that show um 
So certainly when uh, I think it's the actress that plays Ginger turns up as Ava in season one, it's like, oh my God, it's her. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's, it's a case of younger Supernatural fans highly likely that they will have seen them and then gone and seen them elsewhere. I mean, we've all watched Supernatural and then gone and watched Gilmore Girls to see uh, Jared Padalecki um, as a much younger actor. You know, we've gone and found, I think it was Days of Our Lives or the other one, I can never remember what the other one's called, um, to see a young uh, Jensen Ackles as a possessed hunk. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the same thing, is that they will go and watch... Ginger snaps because they see the girl that played Ava and so on and so forth. So, yeah, but I completely get. And I think the other thing is that I think a large part of Ginger snaps to get it, it's it's a girl film, and I think that's another thing. It's it's made for teenage girls who are trying to figure themselves out, who don't fit in, and this is just like a kind of a coming of age identity kind of film. Um, but yeah, much as I love it because it holds a special place in my heart, I completely get like your criticism of it and the issues. It's not a film like um, Scream, like something I saw probably around about the same kind of time. It's not a film that stands the test of time as well as that. It it doesn't age well. I haven't seen the sequels or the prequel. I'm not sure I want to. I think it will just stay as it is, like a little sliver of time in my heart. So there you go. That's my uh, professional opinion. Now... There were a lot of words spoken there, <laughs> some of which I did not understand. <laughs> Something about Gilmore Girls. I just it all got kind of hazy around there. Um, I, I, this kind of what I expected. Like if you had seen it at a certain point in time, then this is the movie for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not see it at that certain point in my time in my life. I saw it uh, when I was very much a thirty-something-year-old uh, man. Um, who cannot relate at all to the experience <laughs> of teenage girls, especially pre-emo. Um, what do you reckon? Well, I have one slight correction which Charlie sent me afterwards, so no supernatural fans will come at us for uh, for getting the soap wrong. But uh, Jensen Ackles was in The Bold and the Beautiful, and also in Smallville as well, which I think has uh, ended up sort of gathering an even more sort of weird following just from people like loving loving supernatural it's like a, it's it's an intense fandom so i didn't think it was possible for this uh, show to get any nerdier Yay, but, uh, nerdy. but that it's uh, it seems to have been i seem to have been disproven um <laughs> thanks charlie so yeah if you want to leave us a little voice message or uh let us know your opinion on any of the movies we review on uh, behind the sofa uh get us on at behind the sofa podcast on instagram and facebook um and yeah let us know let us know your thoughts um but this week we're talking about the master the Mm. maestro if you will uh what are we talking about we are talking about john carpenter's the fog which is number 77 on our list i said last week that it was 1979 that it came out but it was on general release like 1980 so for me it's a. I've kind of been using the hashtag seventies horror and eighties horror for this one because I think it kind of bridges the gap quite nicely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, I think it has to be the year it was released in. Okay. That's what you know. If yeah, someone's so, like, I mean, oh, what you... year? What year was it? Yeah. Nineteen nineteen eighty. Yeah. Well, That's I'd looked. Saying. I'd looked on things before, and I think I'd written it down as nineteen seventy nine. It's on the list that we've got on Instagram on our on our highlights. If you want to have a look 
to see uh, what movies are coming up, then um, have a look at that. But we've got, um, I've got it as 1979 on that, but when I search for it anywhere else, it comes up as 1980. So we'll go with 1980. I'm going 1980. Okay. So I've never seen this movie before. I have, but many, many years ago. So when I was probably about... 12 i'm gonna say something like that watched it at a sleepover me and one one other friend uh we watched it and just did the whole you know like one of us would jump and scream which would make the other one jump and scream and (laughs) yeah all of that kind of stuff and like really freaking ourselves out like even more um it didn't make me uh jump and scream as much as it would have done you know like a young 12 year old kirsty but it's still you know, it's got some bits that we're going to be discussing. So now, having never seen it before, mm. very strong opening. Yeah, love the old, and it's good to see that Captain Birdseye's getting some work. <laughs> you know what I mean? An old salty sea dog. I was like, wow, that is uh, that is great. Well, they that- they actually stuck that in because when they when they first filmed it, um, it was about eighty minutes long. I'm not sure what the runtime is on it fully it's, now. It's like bang on an hour and a half. I okay, think. so it was about yeah, like about an hour and an hour and twenty minutes, and they were like, right, we need it to be a bit longer, and so they stuck in the story bit at the beginning, which I love. Like, yeah, I think yeah. it's fantastic. It's I, just creepy as hell. It sets the scene so well and gives ex, you know the level of exposition that some lesser directors would spend, you know. A long time, <laughs> peanut shushing. I'm shushing peanut right now. Um, <laughs> you know, what I mean, what what takes John Carpenter two three minutes with an old, you know, with with a load of old seamen? <laughs> other directors would would sorry, I'm sorry. would take a lot longer with you, child. I'm sorry. I, I thought on, you were doing I, it on purpose. Of course, I did it on purpose. <laughs> um, this is Ollie we're talking about. So yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved that, that first opening. Uh, well, not the whole thing. Okay, okay. That first opening right. bit. Yeah. I thought it was very, very <laughs> effective. I think John Carpenter is like the king of uh, of setting a scene and yes. creating an atmosphere. He is. Um, you know, what I mean, you think back to Halloween. Um, and the thing and all those kinds of movies yeah. and he just has such a knack of sort of immediately getting you to dial in on this is this is the atmosphere he's going for yeah, so there was one bit that made me giggle a little bit like um totally unintentionally where it was uh focusing on the captain and then it was slowly sort of panning up to the darkness so that the the title scene could be shown and like the horizon and everything but it just gave me the feeling that the captain was sitting on like a chair where the hydraulics were going (laughs) wrong and he was just sinking out of view and it just it made me giggle a little bit which kind of broke the tension a bit for me but maybe it was in a slowly sinking dinghy in the water yeah like like going into quicksand you know like we don't know what's going on we you know we're just starting this film so yeah that that bit made me giggle there was a crazy zoom in that first it was what was that with that i have no idea the only thing i could think of was like they shot it and something had gone wrong and they were like oh my god we haven't got any coverage let's fuck it just leave it yeah well no just like (laughs) let's do a crazy weird zoom it's the only way we're going to be able to get around it but yeah it was uh very disorienting yeah (laughs) is this going to happen throughout the entire film no yeah thankfully thankfully no (laughs) thankfully not um so yeah the thing is i like the film I really like the film, actually. I'm making it sound like I'm about to say some really about, horrible things. I was sitting things. here like... <gasps> no, I really, I do really like the film, but it doesn't like hang together as a whole. Do you understand? You know what I mean? Mm, no. like, I feel like it just kind of like... There's no like 
driving through line there's nothing like connects all the characters together like at the end when they turn up in the church um they seem to arrive all for for like no reason all in the same place well they got told to go to the church yeah they're all listening to the radio and going go to the church go to the church it's the only safe place but i don't know maybe maybe what my problem was I felt like it could almost learn a little bit, little thing from another weather-based horror movie, The Thing. Uh, the Thing, <laughs> The Mist. Really? Yeah, because well, you hated The Mist. How no, can you no, think? I, no, I didn't hate The Mist. Don't misquote me. <laughs> no, what? Now, in The Mist, this, you know, The Mist takes over the whole town, and it seems to turn everything to absolute shit. It doesn't. I'm no, I don't get the feeling that like. The, the fog has, is having as much impact as the mist do you see what I mean like mm. they're like oh it's all over the town everything's going crazy and then but they only ever show what happens to these like few people mm. I wish I could have got a little bit more sort of like the descent into madness of the town of the whole okay. you know I feel yeah. like there would have been a nice little added extra um, and like I said, I just feel like the the characters didn't have enough enough interaction with each other for me to really like care as much about the like the final showdown in the church, okay. which I thought was stylistically really cool. Yeah. Like I loved when Blake, who's like the head pirate, he's not even a pirate. That's no. misleading. He's not a pirate, he's, isn't he? Like a he's like a merchant. So or, or he's like a he was he's a leper, right? He well, he, or worked, he runs a re- leper colony. He runs a leper colony. So the idea is basically that like we're we're in Antonio Bay that's celebrating its centenary centennial yeah. cent- cent- hundred so hundred yeah, years hundred years <laughs> hundred years, um, and uh, it was it was founded by these people who uh, they were originally dealing with uh, a man who was running a, de- a leper colony and wanted to move the leper colony sort of just up from uh what would end up being antonio bay and not in my backyard and yeah so they had uh so the the founders of the of the town had had thought well we've got a really good place here we could really make something of it do we really want a leper colony like upstream kind of thing so they said yeah sure we'll do it you know if you give us this money so they went to they they made the deal with the money and everything like that as the ship was coming in they engineered it so that the ship would crash and everyone would die so they wouldn't have the leper colony but they would have the money and the money then went into uh founding the town building the church all of those sorts of things and so now we know that like you know a hundred a hundred years uh in the future the uh the people who sank on that ship have come back to wreak their revenge there's a there's a real classic sort of like john carpenter fuck you to the system Mm. sort of uh sort of bent to the whole that whole story that the fact that um this idyllic town on the sea seafront has basically been founded on blood money you know what i mean like the the founding fathers have have managed to secure the funds to to build up this this community of theirs but uh, you know the cost of many other people's lives i feel like this got to have some sort of like anti-american mm, you know i can see sentiment that. to it yeah. Um, I just, one thing, other thing that I loved in this movie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back to seemingly, basically play against type. 
Because <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is a John Carpenter movie. She obviously broke through big with, with Halloween. And she comes in seemingly for no reason that I can see other than to basically say, I'm just going to drink beer, have sex with this dude. <laughs> um, and, you know, hitchhike and do all the things that that Laurie Strode would most definitely not have done. Yeah, they do they do go for the opposite. But um it's quite there's there's like, you know, John Carpenter was excellent at like adding in little tiny little nods that you may not have noticed. So one of them is um I think on either one of the radio bits or um Nick, who's the like the main male character, uh mentions uh Bodega Bay, which is the name of the place in the birds. Oh, okay. And so it's kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of the Tippy Hedron character where she rolls into town and all shit just falls mm. apart. And she kind of says that. She's just like, oh, you know, I think I'm cursed. You know, like weird things just happen to me all the time and, and all of that. And so, you know, she comes into town. And so uh, that was the, their I guess, explanation. I guess the fact that her mum is in this as well. Janet who's obviously, Lee. you know, in famously in Psycho. Yeah. So we've definitely got the Hitchcock nod to it. Yeah. Um, one thing I pretty should have said earlier, I guess, when I was talking about, um, you know, how I felt like some parts of it like didn't hang together properly. Mm. I almost felt like this was Carpenter's like way or Carpenter's attempt at doing like a Spielberg. It had a real like Jawsy sort of I vibe to it. I felt Jaws definitely, definitely in the fact that you know it's a town and they're celebrating some you know some mm-hmm. landmark achievement and um, you know something goes wrong, some something turns up and kind of like puts the celebrations on hold the fact that we didn't get to see like the fog affecting that part of the town that's the part that i thought was the real kind of shame to it Mm. i don't know if you agree or not well i got the feeling like they didn't really need to they didn't really focus enough on um like adrian barbeau's character like um uh stevie wayne who i thought was fantastic she was great this was her first she was on she was in like tv shows and tv movies but this was her first like feature film Mm. and she was excellent she's so good um but she didn't really like let anybody else know about the like six must die on the uh piece of driftwood which i thought was totally cool like Uh, it was just ridiculous um, that scene with the driftwood um so basically she's got this piece of driftwood that her son has found on the beach and it says uh, Dane on it, yep. which is the part, the, of, the part of the the Elizabeth Dane was the ship that sank a um, hundred years ago. And um, she her son finds it and gives it to her and she takes it to work with her. She basically runs like a like small radio station from, from a lighthouse, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and basically she's got the piece of driftwood at work with her and it's like bone dry and all of a sudden it starts to kind of like like weep yeah like basically like weep weep liquids like weep seawater everywhere and it gets into her tape recorder which is like playing different promos and then you get this like amazing like demonic slayer hell awaits join us sort of like voice where it's talking about a millstone. Do you know nah. what it says? No. He took, he, it's it's part of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It's like albatr- albatross? albatross around my neck. Okay, yeah. that's why I thought so millstone. It's creepy as hell. Yeah, but it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, I was like, so that was good. one of my favourite parts of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and then the driftwood, um, what the driftwood says. So it says Dane across it, and then it changes to six must die. Yeah. So alluding to the original six founders of the town. So when I thought about that, 
I thought that like the fog wasn't coming in to like totally decimate the town it was coming in to like destroy uh the ancestors maybe of the people who uh founded the town so you had nick um talk earlier about how you know he's a fisherman and he was like oh you know my father was a fisherman my grandfather was a fisherman you know he told me these stories and stuff and so i don't know whether they've kind of left it open that like the guy the other guys who are on the boat who are the first three victims whether they are ancestors it's likely that they'd go into the family business of just being fishermen mm. so it could the what lineage about- the lineage could <laughs> go back to like the founders so like they could have been part of the original and the old lady babysitter the old lady babysitter definitely could have been like one of the you know uh the grandchildren of the founding fathers or something like that like you know she grew up and raised her kids there and never left town It, it definitely could have been but they didn't focus on that enough they could have had you know like a ledger with the surnames and then you know connected it to (laughs) something just occurred to me how comes the priest had a grandkid it's true okay maybe are they, so that, that some some denominations yeah. some denominations yeah, are allowed want to think about that's, it. that's just gross <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Hal Holbrook wasn't it the, the, the it guy is Hal Holbrook yes so okay. yeah there's there's a whole bunch of really good people in this and like like I said you know all the little nods and stuff are really cool um, the appearance of the fog people which I'm I'm, I'm so that sure was Rob Boutine right Boutine the the the, um, the main the, yeah the the guy who did the effects makeup for the thing yeah. and for the howling yeah um so that was it was him who did yeah. the who did the pirate effects yeah, right so he and he also asked... got to play he got to play uh, Blake who is like the main yeah I keep on saying pirate I'm gonna continue to say pirate because I can't be bothered to correct myself so but you know yeah what I mean. so basically he asked John Carpenter can I could I play this part? So maybe he could do his own makeup or whatever. Um, and uh, John Carpenter apparently said to him, stand up. And he thought he was going to say, and get out. Yeah. But he actually, when he stood up and he was at his full height, he's like six, five. So he was like, that's perfect. Like yeah. just the type, like the size I need to have like a big imposing scary. Cause he's the king of like scary shapes yep. and shit appearing behind you. Okay. And all of that good stuff. So now it's... I know I said, I think I've said about three times this is my favourite part. My actual favourite part, <laughs> most certain and definitely, mm. was um, the first appearance of the not pirates um, mm. when they people. when the fog people yeah. when they appear on the boat. Mm. So I loved. So you got the two guys like looking out to sea, and they can you know they're trying to like peer through the fog, and then you can see the faintest kind of hint of a shape and they almost like crane into look and then goes, all of a sudden and then like, all of a sudden cutlass cutlass through the chest yeah um that was amazing it's really great. well mean, done and do it was it... like so eerily quiet as mm. well they do it so he does it so well like he's done it in he did it in halloween um where there is intense violence but no blood yeah zero zero blood he's really good at that like he's just like it's it's pretty intense like you know there's like people getting their eyes gouged out and like their necks cut and getting run through and all this kind of stuff but no like buckets of blood or anything like that Mm. because you don't need it like it's still just as impactful but without that like violent side of it it's just yeah it's really good but 
I mean, what you were saying about like how you didn't feel like it's sort of tied together. I quite, I, I really enjoy a film or a TV show where you've got like the three running sort of stories that that end up yeah. like intertwining. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know, like um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis character Elizabeth and Nick, um, who are like discovering what's happened with the guys on the boat. You've got uh, Mrs. Williams and I believe it's Annie from Halloween, isn't it? Who plays the her like assistant person? Yes. Yeah um and uh and then you've got the um like the radio playing over the top of it which just sort of ties it all together for me and then they all get they all get together but you think like the two main leads so you've got like jamie lee curtis and uh like with regard to screen time jamie lee curtis and adrian barbeau um playing the dj and uh they never actually have any screen time together yeah, I feel like that's this is what I'm this is what I'm kind of driving at. The fact that they, there's not enough interaction for the finale to kind of like have enough impact. Mm. They didn't really feel like there were massive stakes at the end because I was I didn't really feel like it was a community under siege. I was just like they just all they said was like, "Oh, you need to get to the church. Why the church? I have no idea." Mm. Whether it was because she could see it from the lighthouse and she was like, "Oh, there's no fog there. Let's go." So everyone going to the church. You know, what I mean, there wasn't enough kind of um, people panicking, people panicking. You know, stories intertwining to the point where they think, "Oh, why we figured it out," or um, "Oh, we should all go to the church together." It was just like people turning up there of their own kind of, you know, yeah. under their own steam. The plots just didn't kind of interact enough uh, for me to feel like really satisfied with it. It didn't kind yeah. of dovetail uh, and and just everything wrap up in a real nice bow um okay well having said that (laughs) the finale the little twist in the tail the little um the little trick-or-treat yeah it reminded me a lot of trick-or-treat just because it was like old dude with mustache who then gets uh set set upon by a bunch of uh raggedy you know dripping dripping kids um i thought that end was absolutely fantastic especially the glowing eyes and especially the fact that he gets his head lopped off yeah so um interesting fact though um before they thought of uh hal holbrook um they approached christopher lee as father malone that would have been pretty cool it would have been totally rad but um he was unavailable unfortunately but hal holbrook does an amazing job um yeah so basically they they're all at the church they're reading through the journal that um father malone found at the beginning which basically uh outlines what they did uh and then uh you know they they read on a little bit further um and they find the the line where he just said uh i am the thief and god's temple is the tomb of gold and so they're basically they they figure out that like these the fog people are coming back for their money for what they feel is is owed to them um and uh they then suddenly discover this like gigantic golden cross see that in the wall i kind of <laughs> wish that the kid had had picked up that golden doubloon he found yeah. on the beach and, just, and then and then that would have been like the he final had, piece he had, of gold yeah he had to give them the coin or something and then mm. they all went away but it still would have they still would have come back for father malone something like that's what yeah. i'm talking about where something that relates something that happened with one set of characters earlier on in the story comes back and sort of like when they're all together something like that would have been really cool but yeah. like i said i did really enjoy it it was massively atmospheric i love those um arts you know what i mean like now you said 
now you said that they had to really bo- boost the runtime from yeah. for by like basically ten minutes. It, this these shots make way more sense. But I love this the really artsy shots where it's just like showing the empty town and like mm. showing you know like these amazing scenic shots down the coast and I was like they they gave it such a great atmosphere yeah knowing now that they were put in basically to sort of like pad it out mm, uh, I still love them they're yeah, still great it's still great I mean like I said it was um it was a one million dollar budget which I don't oh know God, what that, that would have been in, in yeah but they uh he filmed it in Panavision so it felt like it was yeah. like a lot grander like I said and it looks and it looks great. amazing it's a yeah. great looking movie but I mean even the fact that they um they decided to go with like jazz type stuff for like the radio station so mm. it sort of it also it plays into the quiet little town you know where everybody knows everybody kind of thing as well but it was also a like a budgetary decision because like contemporary music rock music yeah, and stuff <laughs> would have been way more expensive I, I, so they I went for, that one. yeah so I quite like that but um but yeah so like yeah the the final scene I thought it was amazing it's just that little twist at the end where they're like you know Father Malone has already resigned himself throughout the entire film he's just like we're doomed we're cursed you know this is my fault and everything else I'm you know like the sixth uh, the sixth person and so we know that there's six we know there's been five kills so re- uh, so far and then they turn up and he kind of hands them the gold cross and then has like this electrical glowy cross yeah. moment and it's really intense and then they all just disappear and the fog sort of like fades away um, and they had to do the bit up the top of the uh, lighthouse because Adrian Barbeau is like escaping from like these wormy faced creatures that are like climbing up the roof of the the lighthouse to get her. Um, and they had to get her to f- they had to get her to act that bit in reverse because they couldn't get the fog to move away. Yeah. You know, so they had to film it so it was coming in as she was. You know, and, and everything like that just to make it a bit easier for them because oh, they didn't have like the computer. Just thinking how they must have done it. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it, it was it's so good because then you know you're like okay, so they were just here for the money and now they've been paid and they're like, oh right, okay, see you later, and they all vanish and then he's left with this like aching question of like why why was I spared why why not six you know and we're all asking it we're all like why not six like you know they said six must die and they've been waiting a hundred years for this whatever and then you see the fog creeping from under the door yeah and it's oh my god and it's so good and it ends on this like sickening wet like yeah of of father Malone's head just like being removed from his body and it's <laughs> it's just like that final you know like yes now we have retribution it's it's just crazy but yeah it's it's such an excellent excellent ending i really enjoyed it as a film i didn't think that like you know uh loose ends not being tied together sort of took too much away from it i think it was great like you know it's suspenseful and had some great weird jump scares and like poltergeist activity at the beginning you know to like to signal that like weird shit was happening Mm. and i loved all of that here's the thing don't get me wrong like i i feel like i'm having to defend my opinion here but, but <laughs> i didn't hate it at all i really really liked it but all i'm thinking is i know how good john carpenter can be yeah i know how good halloween is i know how good the thing is they're two of my all-time favorite favorite movies so i feel like it's just missing a little extra plot some something in the plot that mm. really kind of like elevates it to the next level um okay. did it ship me up no but i thought it was really well shot once again in a John Carpenter movie we've got two excellent 
strong, probably three excellent strong female leads. Mm-hmm. Um, some some good deaths. Yeah. Some great makeup. Yep. Some excellent John Carpenter score as well. Yep. You know what I mean? So the thing l- is a plus. It was all thumbs up from me. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I I, I felt, um, and like I said, this may be from me watching it from when I was younger and everything else. But um, I've seen people write about it online when they were like talking about it, where they actually lived in like a coastal town and stuff. And if they ever heard like the foghorn coming off from a ship, they would immediately be brought back to this film. <laughs> so it's stuck with people. And like, you know, the next time you you wake up and there's like fog outside the window, like it will just suddenly yeah. snap you back to that. And you'll be like, for a split second, you'll be like, oh shit. But they um the production studio really went in on this when they were uh, promoting it they went for like the full gamut so they went for like tv tv spots radio bits which is great because like radio yeah. plays such a big part in the film um print ads and they also uh in the select uh theaters when it opened like when they did the 1979 and then and then into 1980 where it went on general release they um bought in fog machines to pump in fog into the lobbies of the of the theater. <laughs> oh, I think be like can they, you they imagine? It at the end, the can end you of the imagine movie. though? Like if you were watching that and like you know, like you were in a theater, you know, it's different than us like sitting at home and like studiously taking notes. If you're like fully enveloped in this film and then you walk out and there's like fog everywhere, you if they did it nowadays. I'd just be like hashtag vape life. <laughs> <laughs> Vape, vape nation <laughs> yeah but um, I, yeah i mean the, the the final line i love because it's again it's another carpenter nod is like adrian barbeau she does her like announcement and stuff like telling them that the fog has left and you know and everything else but they don't know whether it's coming back or not and um one of the lines she says is look for the fog and it gave me that watch the skies yeah. thing from another world which then john carpenter did as the thing um it, ga- it gave me that kind of feeling and it's just that one line which sounds really innocuous when it, you know like really innocent and fine in any other context but in this yeah that one line has such gravity it's really really good so i loved it Cool. Right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. We're having massive, massive technical issues. The fog uh, has got into yeah, the, our recording equipment. I think. Yeah. If, if you start hearing the fucking <laughs> rhyme of the ancient mariner, <laughs> many you know we're in trouble. Um, but so we're going to cut it short there. Kirsty, what are we reviewing next week? Next week is number seventy-six on our list. It is Get Out, uh, oh. twenty seventeen. So a young man goes with his girlfriend to meet her uh, parents in their lovely country home, but something slightly off. So to say the yeah. least. So we've both seen this before. Um, uh, so get on to uh, behind the sofa podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know what you're thinking. We'll put up trailers and um, yeah, just give us your little review and you could get a little shout out on next week. Yeah, you, like I said, if you want to send us a voice clip, I know you can do that on Facebook, right? I don't know if you can do it on Instagram. I don't know. But uh, if you <laughs> feel if you feel like being your voice on the podcast. Uh, find some way to send us a little clip and we'll we'll chuck it on just like we did with Charlie's yeah um, so, but I think that about wraps us up yeah so thanks a lot for listening um, we're going to go away and do some crazy editing now just to like get all the bits together that have uh, caused us some issues during this recording um, and uh, yeah tune in next week okay and from behind the sofa good night